0: About eight years ago, uh, Beth and I were uh, upstairs in the house that we were in. And uh, our our three oldest boys, uh, our three only boys at the time, um, were downstairs in the basement playing around. We were enjoying a lazy Saturday morning on the couch. And uh, sure enough, anytime there's boys all together in one place like that, somebody's bound to get hurt. And of course we heard the, the whack, right? That came from the basement and the inevitable weeping and gnashing of teeth that followed, right? Everybody's been there, everybody knows this, this has happened, especially in a, in a house full of boys. And so we were sitting there on the couch and I looked over at my wife and I gave her the look like, I got the last one, you know what I'm saying? You know that look, I got the last one. She, something probably looked back and said something like, give me a look like, yeah, I birthed your children, yeah? <laughs> Hours of labor. I'm like, all right, you got me on that one, so. So I'm getting ready to get up out of the couch and head on downstairs. When I hear marching up, the, I mean like running up the stairs, run up the stairs, through the door comes my third son. He was four years old at the time. His name is Marshall. Marshall came over to Bethany and I on the couch and he said, yeah, I hit Ethan with the lightsaber and he handed us the lightsaber. He said, I'm gonna go up to my room and time out now. <laughs> and he turned around walked right upstairs, and plopped himself right on his bed in timeout. Beth and I looked at each other like, we didn't say a word, true story, we didn't say a word, looked over each other like, we're the best people parents in the word, world. Yeah, we're like high-fiving each other, like, this is easy! Our, parent, our, our, our parents' skills are so good, our kids discipline themselves. Yeah? I wish it was that easy, because that was eight years ago, and... That hasn't happened since, right? Let's get, let's get real. That's, that's one of those things, I wrote it down. That's why I was like, I'm writing this down. Eight years later, I now have teenagers and they assure me I'm, I'm not the best parent in the world, yeah, on a, on a regular basis, you guys, if, teens or had teens, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about and they're like, dad, you're not as good as you think you are. They're not afraid to tell it. So uh, as, uh, as you guys may have, uh, may have guessed, we're talking about, a little bit about parenting. We're talking a little bit about uh, family discipleship here today. And uh, from the outside, the Garen family, we have great sons, my wife and I, we have, we have great sons. We have four, four boys at our house, keeps us moving, keeps us hopping. Um, a lot of punches being thrown. Usually most of them are friendly. And it may look like, you know, on the outside, like, you know, the Garens, they got it together. I mean, they have four sons, they're mowing lawns, they're, they're doing well, they come to church, they, they seem pleasant, but I tell you, I mean, parenting is just hard, it's hard. Last week, I can tell you, I was uh, talking with Bethany. Uh, and I was like, you know what, honest conversation. I was frustrated, I'm like, Bethany, I, I just kinda resent always having to discipline. I'm like I'm doing it 24 seven all the time. I don't wanna be that bad guy. I don't wanna be that guy. You know what, and, and that's, it, parenting is terribly hard work and most of the time, it's not very popular. And sometimes I say, like, you know what? Here's the boundary. And it's, it's a wide boundary. It's not trying to be too strict. Here's the boundary. And then they like, well, that's the boundary, eh? Yeah? They walk right up and they're like, toe across the line. Yeah? Just to see if I meant what I said. And then I have to do something about it. I'm like, man, it's just tough. It's just hard work. Parenting is, is a huge job and, and you know what? Well, I don't think it's one that any of us truly prepared for. I mean, it's an every minute, every hour of every day, every week, 52 weeks in a year for, 18, for at least 18 years, right? 18 years. I, I did the math and I, I brought something with me here today. It's a jar with almost a thousand marbles representing almost those thousand weeks that we have to pour into our kids' lives. I mean, they all kind of look different. Each one of these marbles. you know what? The reality is that there's a thousand weeks of things like firsts, uh, the, the first breath, I remember that day for each one of my kids. first steps. Um, there's a, the first time, day they went to school when they're in kindergarten, they got all their, their new backpack, they look cute. Man, we have pictures of that. Uh, first time they, they broke a leg or broke a bone. First time they broke their heart. And then, first time, I remember really clearly, first time I rode in a car with one of them as the driver. Yeah? <laughs> I tell you, that's an act of faith right there, right? I grew more in that ride home from the the learner's permit place, yeah? The DMV, than I ever have in in like like a couple years of worth of faith. It's a a thousand weeks full of like emotions and uh, laughter, crying, anger, fighting. I mean, they're all there, wrapped up into this life that we pour into our kids. A thousand. When I first started, man, a thousand seemed like like a huge mountain. But every, day I go, every week I go by, I take one out because I don't have that week anymore. We're, we're gonna talk about this today. Parenting is not for the, for the faint of heart. And, and the good news is God doesn't leave us high and dry. He has a lot of wisdom, a lot of truth, a lot of counsel from his scripture. Go ahead and open your Bibles today, right now. In Deuteronomy chapter six, please. Verse, we're gonna start in verse four. Now, as you open your Bibles, uh, some of you guys, I, I can see starting to eyeball the door a little bit. You're like, hey, parenting, that's great. I know there's a lot of young families here, but I'm not a parent. You're like, well, maybe you're single. Maybe you're a couple without kids. Maybe you're, you're a couple that have grown kids. You're like, this is, they're already kind of past the stage right here. Maybe this is a sore subject for some of you. Maybe you're trying your hardest and you're, Not able to have kids, or maybe even worse, you'd have to bury one of your children. This is a sore subject. Please don't check out. Just don't say check it off. Ah, That's just another parenting sermon. It's more than that. It's it's family discipleship. You know what? And discipleship principles. It's good for the family, and it's good for the rest of your life too. So these are just core discipleship principles that you can apply to your own life. Before we get uh, reading in. uh, the word, let's, let's pray, ask God to bless it and that it speak to us. Lord Jesus, uh, open our hearts, open our minds. We wanna hear from you this morning. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd move in our hearts. I pray that you'd move us to action. Lord, we're here for you, amen. So Deuteronomy chapter six, let me bring you up to speed from where we're at. Um, of course, the first book of the Bible is Genesis. Deuteronomy is the fourth book. It's towards the very beginning. Throughout time, God has had a chosen people, the people of Israel, that he's chosen to, to love and he's chosen to care for, chosen to give rules to. He uh, they, they went and spent four, 400 years plus in slavery in Egypt, sent Moses, brought them up out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, into the desert, and Moses went up the the mountain, Mount Sinai, to get the Ten Commandments. After that, and the Ten Commandments are listed in Deuteronomy chapter five. After that, God said to Moses, he said, hey, I want you to teach them. I want you to teach the people these things. This is so very important. This is what Moses said 3,500 years ago. Verse four, follow along. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. We're gonna go verse by verse. We're gonna, we're gonna dig a little deeper and, and, and see what, what truth that God has for us. We're gonna start in verse one, sorry, verse four. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses is saying, by saying, Hero Israel, he's saying, listen up, attention, bring it in. You're not gonna wanna miss this. This is important. He was speaking to the entire nation of Israel, and he's reminding, reminding them, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Said, we have one God, the true God, and only he is God. He's just getting out of the way, kind of preface, you need a reminder, this is from God. He told me, I'm his mouthpiece right now, Moses said. And then he goes on in verse five to give a clear picture of what a disciple is. So what is the disciple? It's found in verse five, love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. If it sounds familiar, if it sounds kind of something Jesus might say, it's because he did. They said, hey, Jesus, if you were just to lay it, just map it all out, just boil it all down to one thing, what would you, what would you say the meaning of it all is? He said, well, to be a disciple, it's actually two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your uh, soul, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law, all the prophets are boiled down in those two simple things. Simple to read, hard to do. At Crestview, this verse, really uh, just kind of, um, the three words we've chosen to, to identify a disciple is the three Ds. You might have seen them before. Discover, develop and deploy. That's right, they're everywhere. That's what we try to communicate. This is what a disciple does. Someone who loves God with their whole heart, that's discover. Lovering Christ with their whole heart and accepting him and worshiping him. Develop, right? Loving Christ with your soul by growing in your faith. Not staying where you're at, but getting closer to Him. And then the last one, deploy. Love God with our strength and using that strength to grow the kingdom. Discover, develop, deploy. That's enough of that little commercial there. I wanna keep on moving to see what uh, what, what the word continues to say. Anyway, discipleship starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with the mom, the dad, the mom and the dad. However your family is structured, it starts with us. You know what, we need to be practicing we need to be practicing following Christ as the same time as we're instructing others. And for some of us like, you know what, I wanna, be, I wanna be the best at something before I start teaching someone else. It doesn't work like that. If you wait until you're the perfect disciple, you'll never arrive. You need to start where you are now, practice living for Christ, and then teach your children at the same time. It's one of the counterintuitive things about family discipleship. We think it starts with the kids. We're like, all right. You get home from the hospital, you have this baby in your hand, she's looking up at you and you're like, all right. I want her to follow the Lord. How do I get there? How do I get her there? That's the wrong place to start. It, It can't start with the child and it shouldn't start there. It needs to start with us. Family discipleship starts with you. Family discipleship starts with me. And if you're following along on your bulletins on the back there, you can write that in there. That's our, that's our first fill-in right there. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6 goes on to say this, follow along. These commandments that I give, to do, give you today are to be upon your hearts. God, through Moses, is speaking directly to the parents. God is talking to you. Funny thing about kids. I, I don't know if you guys have uh, picked up on this especially those with, with younger kids. Kids have this like innate like hypocrisy radar, right? They're able to spot a fake, a phony, a mile away. I mean, like military, they're pretty good. They can track like stealth jets and all that stuff, whatever. Your kids can spot your hypocrisy in the womb, right? That's how good they are. And you know what? Everything you do, they're, they're, they're absorbent. They're picking up. They're watching like a hawk. And Bethany, uh, she's pointing, pointing this out to me, you know, kindly a couple times, especially when it comes to driving. We, we, she's like, "Hun, we now have drivers in our in our family now. The two oldest are 14 and 16. We, we have drivers now. You really need to pay attention to the way you're driving. Maybe you shouldn't be drumming on the dashboard as you're going along, or you need to set the example because they're learning from me what to do, or better yet, or worse yet." what not to do, right? We're, we're that example, we're that model. And it's so ingrained in the way families are made. Jesus made it that way. He, he made us to, to be a model and reproduce who we are. The question isn't, are we making disciples? Are, are we making our kids disciples? The answer is yes, certainly. We are making disciples whether we like it or not. The better question is, and and the question that should keep us up at night is what kind of disciple am I making? What kind of disciple am I making? Am I making a disciple that follows Christ? And there there are a few questions that we need to to ask ourselves and consider these to to find out what kind of disciples we're making. One is, what has the most value in our home? If, If you could just boil it down to one thing what would that be? What events take precedence over other things in your home? Like if you were to prioritize the things, okay, first it's this, then it's this. What do we talk about? What do we spend our most of our time doing? And what actions do we praise? If we find ourselves only praising like academics, I'm not saying school is bad. Some of the kids are like, yeah. No, I'm not saying that's bad, but when we just put too much emphasis on on a test score or GPA or a letter, I I think we're we're getting things out of priority. That can't be the most important thing, academics. And something might hit a little closer to home for all the Americans in the house here. We, We are the most competitive people in the world and sports is like, yeah. Well, what other place do we go where we just go crazy? We lose our minds because of some kid with a ball, and then we, it kind of filters into our kids. We're like you know what? We're going to place this sport over other things. Over, we're going to choose to go to this tournament and miss the last three uh, Sundays in a row at church. We're going to choose our practice time over that are actually important. It's important that we get things in priority. Like I said, I'm not saying those things are inherently evil. I I have a house full of boys. We've done every sport known to man. Taekwondo, soccer, basketball, cross country, wrestling, all of them. And sometimes we do them in our living room, right? (laughs) So I'm not saying those things are bad. Keep them in the right order. But the first things first. I'm gonna spend the last part of our time uh, this morning going over three more principles. And, and you know what? They've, they've come out of this family discipleship, uh, family discipleship guide. More importantly, they came out of De- Deuteronomy chapter six. I wanna encourage you guys. I, I can't give as much time as I'd like to on each one of those three principles, but this guide has gone step by step, breaking it down. Some, some practical steps about how not to add things into your family's life, but to repurpose the time that you already have and use it for his glory. Train your kids to, the way they need to go. I, I've put several copies at the information table in the lobby. Pick one up on your way out for your family. If you're more of a digital kind of person or you just want to print one at home, um, CrestviewChristian.org slash Family Discipleship. It's, it's on the back of your bulletin right there. Head to that web link, uh, the Village Church who we got this from said, you know what? Reproduce as much as you want, just don't sell it. We're blessed to have this resource. So I just wanna point that out, please grab one. It's gonna go a lot more in depth than I can in just a few minutes. We're gonna keep on moving to, to, to verse seven, follow along please. Moses says, impress them on your children. Them, he's talking about the commandments, about the rules, about the law. And these weren't like rules and regulations and boundaries just because God wanted to say, just wanted to point things out that they'd be doing. These these are boundaries and regulations to keep them safe because he loved them. But he's speaking just to parents here. He's saying, hey, parents, it's your job to instruct your child. And I'm gonna say, family discipleship requires intentional time. Family discipleship takes Intentional time So intentional time, just a quick illustration uh, Raise your hand if, uh, While we were a kid, maybe you uh, learned how to uh, Play an instrument Maybe you uh, were on a, a sports team of some sort Basketball, football, whatever Raise your hand, hold it up there Okay. A lot of you guys, put your hands down Same group of people How many people were required to put in time Maybe practice time for that instrument or that sport During the week Pretty much the same number of people I would go so far to say that any ability or any skill that you have a chance to to learn and become good at, it's going to take practice. The the, the issue is I sometimes feel like we send our kids into spiritual game time events without the practice on the front end. They're they're just going into life, they're going into school, and they're being blindsided because they haven't had either some some practice about that spiritual aspect of their life. I know some of you guys might be thinking, Jared, you know what? I really don't wanna force my religion down my my kids' throats. I don't wanna come resent that. I want it to happen more organically. And that's kind of a buzzword, organically, just kind of naturally, just let it happen. I just don't want that word organically to be used as an excuse to do nothing. Like, you go to the store. There's apples there. There are the plain apples that are pretty tasty. And then, and then there's the organic apples, right? Twice as much you know, th- 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 to the cost, right? Right next to it. You think about the, the organic apple. Here's how it didn't happen. Somebody just didn't, like, eat an old apple, throw the core out in the woods. It grew up to be a tree, and somebody was, like, wandering along saying, oh, it's an apple. I need to sell it at Dylan's. So they just put it right there. That's not how organic works. Organic... Is very intentional, right? They have an orchard. They they planted the, the the seeds. They staked the trees. They grew the trees. They had to sit there for, for a couple of years before they could even bear fruit. After they did, they they picked it. They they weeded it. They made sure no bugs ate them. And then they brought them to market. They they sold them to Dylans, who sold them to you for twice as much, right? That's organic. Organic is, is very, very planned. And that's how we need to be in our families. We need to be intentional about our time. We need to figure out what this is going to look like and how we're going to do it. For the Garrett family, like I said, I'm not trying to add a whole bunch into your life. Here's what a looks place like for my family. Sundays, we come here. Come here as a family. We learn, we worship Monday through Fridays, early in the morning, we get up before school, sit around the table, everybody eats cereal, and dad, he he reads the Bible. I read a chapter. It's good, everybody's all together, you know what? And their mouths are full, so they're not not talking, they're listening, right? So read a chapter, we talk about how this applies to our life a little bit, and then we praise the family. And literally a second later, everybody gets up from the table and goes a thousand different directions. I have four sons and they're all going to four different schools this year. But we have that time in the morning to get centered. And throughout the week, like I said, I have grade school, I have teens, I have middle schoolers. Like I said, we have tons of sports, but we try to carve out one day every week. We come together as a family. We push everything out. We do something fun as a family. We call it Family Fun Day Monday. At first, the older boys were like, Ugh, do we have to do this? And literally, like, just a few times later, they're like, we're doing it tonight? Can I plan the next one? I mean, they love spending time as a family. It's just a chance to connect, have fun, and be a family so, so everything's just not like on the go. It slows down the pace of our life a little bit. So that, that, that's what intentional looks like for the Guerin family. For yours, it might be a little different but it didn't have to be hard. The next principle we see is in Deuteron- Deuteronomy, verses seven and eight. Follow along with me. Moses says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. God is instructing parents to make spiritual training part of everyday life. It's more than just intentional, but being aware that things are going on momentarily, and that's why we need to realize that family discipleship leverages teachable moments. He's saying, you know what, when you're headed to soccer practice, when you get up in the morning, when they come home from school, all these different times of the day, be, have your eyes open for, for a chance to speak the gospel into your child. And, and what does this look like? It, it looks like um, they come from, like your daughter comes home from school and, and one of her friends called her a name and man, it just shook her. She's in tears. Besides just putting your arm around her and telling her to love her and say, you know what? I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God. You're a co-heir with Christ and you're loved. Not only by me, but by him as well. That's, that's a teachable moment right there. Or when parents, I'm with you right there. Don't think I'm by any means perfect. But when you blow up at your kids, perfect opportunity to ask for forgiveness and say, you know what? I'm not above repenting. I'm not above asking for forgiveness. I'm going to model that for you right now. At the Garen house, we're all dudes. We have, uh, there's four brothers, right? Instead of the golden rule, doing to others as they would have them do to you, we call it the Garen rule. Doing to brothers as you would have them do to you. So, So, what's the Garen rule? Doing to brothers as they would have them. All right, great. Just so you know, think about what you want them to do to you and they do the same again. Uh, Bethany does a whole lot better job than this than me. Uh, just recently, we're having a uh, disciplinary talk with one of our offspring. Right, one of those fun talks. And wouldn't you ha- wouldn't you know it? He didn't agree with what we were doing. We're like, he's like, I'm not in agreement on this. Just so you know, you're not parenting very well. <laughs> My God. Got it. And then he asked the question, he's like, well, why? And it was something like, why do we need to have restrictions when it comes to the internet in our house? Why do we only have it on the laptop in public? Why can't we have it on iPhones and iPods and all, yada, yada. And I thought we were kind of getting bogged down into the weeds a little bit and off track. So I was like, all right, you wanna, why, got, got it. Two reasons. First of it, I'm your father. Second one, what is it? Because I said so. <laughs> because I said so. And Bethany, in her wisdom, she came along and said, Yeah, it's important to obey your dad, that's for sure. That's in the Bible. However, so you know what the reality is? The reason we have these boundaries when it comes to this is to guard your spirit. Boy, there'll come a very day, very soon, that we'll, we'll start to turn over these things to you and you have to guard your own heart for right now. We're just taking it seriously because we know if you get in this young, man, it could damage your marriage and your entire life. We're not going to take that risk. I was like, okay. She maybe had a better better answer than me. Yeah? (laughs) May have been all right. The truth is, these moments happen often through our day. And we need to... uh, remember to speak, in, speak the gospel into their hearts. We're gonna wrap up with one last point here with one last principle from the, from the scripture. Verses 10 and 12. When the, Lord brings, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, let's skip ahead to verse 12. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses said, you know what? Things are about to get good. And when things are good, don't forget them. Because every good thing is from God. He talks to them and says, you know what? You're gonna live in houses you didn't build. You're gonna, you're gonna, live, you're gonna, you're gonna drink wine from grapevines you didn't plant. He says, it wasn't you. It's God. And, and God does things in our, in our family's life regularly. And in a week, maybe in a couple days, after answered prayer, after a blessing, we forget about it. We need to celebrate those things. So family discipleship celebrates milestones. The things that happen in our life celebrates milestones. A couple weeks ago, a cool thing, a uh, family in our church got got to baptize their son. And they made it a huge deal. Invited friends and family members to come to the service. Some get baptized, but after that, they had a party back at, their, back at their house. Tons of food, friends, family. It was just a party atmosphere. Everybody got to huddle around the boy, lay hands on him, pray over him. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. We need to celebrate the big things that God is doing in our, in our family. if you're like, that's great, that's one That's one thing, I want to point you back to the, the Family Disoption Guide. It has other ideas of things you can do in your family. Like I said, I'm not trying to add anything, but repurpose the time you already have and and apply it in, in order to bring up your kids in the way they should go. Um, look through it. It has like a couple places you can uh, kind of dream, write things out, schedule some things, like talk through with... Uh, Someone else saying, what do we want to do with our family? What kind of traditions do we want to have? Look into that. We have all this time. And I just want to end today by talking a little bit about legacy. Uh, a, a lot of people think legacy, I, mean, I think they have the wrong definition. They think it's like being famous or being known. The reality is we'll only be known by the people who know us now. So in 120 years, likely all will be is a name, a birthday, maybe, maybe a marriage, maybe kids. And I tell you, in 120 years, you're somebody's sixth grade project, the family tree, you're just Jared Guerin. That's all they'll know about you. Unless you leave a legacy. A legacy is not about being, us being famous. It's about making God famous. And it's not an inheritance. It's not the same as an inheritance. An inheritance is what you leave for someone. A legacy is what you leave in someone. We have a chance to take advantage of these almost a 1,000 weeks and build it in and leave a legacy through our children by making them disciples. I know it's gonna get a little messy, but this is the only way I know how to make it last. Friends, they'll only be two years old once. People call it the terrible twos. Man, I love a two-year-old. And so full of life, yeah? Their smile. And I can remember when each one of them started their first day in kindergarten when they were five. We have pictures of them in their backpack, smile, fresh haircut. They're so excited, right? And then... You blink, and they're 13. And you'll probably never want to know him as a 13-year-old ever again. <laughs> right? Right? I was having a conversation just two months ago with my oldest son, Mason. That's about This is how much time Mason has left in the Garen house. I forget what we were talking about, but he said, Dad, I'm just a boy. Why do I need to know this? I'm still a boy, Dad. I said, Mace, one year and 11 months. He's like, What? One year and 11 months. I said, You could be staying in Afghanistan or any other country halfway across the world with a gun in your hand defending my freedom. He only has a hundred left, a hundred weeks. And then it's gone. Some of you grandparents in here kind of nodding your head like, yeah, it was about that quick. A legacy can only be left in the person and the people that you have now in your life. It's up to us to make a difference. It's up to us to take the time it takes to do the job now. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I wanna ask that... uh, we would take your, your, your role seriously. The role that you've given us as parents, the disciples of our kids. Lord, we're making disciples, Lord, and I pray that we're making disciples that follow you and nothing else. Lord, I pray that we would love you with all of our heart, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, with all of our strength. and set the example. It's your name I pray, amen.